Welcome to the self-love revolution. I'm Ashley, a mental health therapist and self-love coach, and I'm here to simplify self-love and share how it's possible for any woman. All right, welcome to the self-love revolution podcast. I have Kamisha here with me. She is going to talk today about all things self-love, mental health, um, I'd love for you to just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So I'm a licensed psychotherapist. Specifically, I'm a licensed professional counselor. It's my licensure type. I'm a business coach for new therapists, teaching them how to build their practices with a solid foundation for marketing from the very beginning. Um, I'm an author of the book, Thought Life Confessions, and I'm a speaker. So that's what I do. But in terms of like who I am, I'm just a really passionate person. Who loves helping people? I love serving. I love. I love God. I love all things mental health, community service, and any way I can help to empower people and make their lives better. That's amazing. Sounds like you are a very busy woman. <laughs> yeah, it does sound like that when I read it, but like when I do my formal introduction. But to me, it's like, oh, this is life. This is normal. So it doesn't feel that busy from my perspective, which is good. Yeah, yeah. It's good to stay busy when it's something that you're passionate about. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, reading your bio, I know that you kind of come from a hard background. You were orphaned as a teen um, and have built a successful business. So can you kind of tell us about that journey from how you got from where you were to where you are? And how self-love was kind of a part of that? Yeah, absolutely. So I wasn't an orphan my entire life. Um, My parents were pastors. And so when I was 17, my dad passed away. And then the next year, my mom passed away. So I'm a freshman in college, no grandparents, just lost both parents. I ended up at a private Christian university that I did not want to be at. It was a really good school, but that wasn't my first pick. Um, So when I got there, you know, the university offered me an orphan scholarship because I couldn't get any of the parent plus loans. I was like, what? What's an orphan? Like I had never even equated myself to the term because I had always known, you know, stable two parent household. So from that, obviously struggled with self-love, a lot of grief, just understanding that you know, for those big moments in life of graduation, when you first get married, first baby, that my parents would not be there. And it was like super hard for me. I mean, it would be for anybody in your early 20s, but I had to work through it and I just kept working. I found what I loved, which was ministry and mental health, studying psychology for undergrad. And I just kept going and I really put my head down. I was learning. I was at a Christian university, so I learned about the Bible and psychology and mental health and different people in the Bible who had mental health problems. Um, And I was like, this is so cool because it was the stories of real people. So I wanted to be able to bring that to my career and build a lifestyle that honored my parents' legacy of ministry and mental health. And so I just really just kept going. I didn't take breaks. I did graduate school. I got my license. Like It was a lot of work in my 20s, but it really set me up on this path of success. And I'm very grateful for it. I don't recommend the way I did it to anyone who doesn't have to do it that fast, but you know, there's, there were no breaks. I couldn't like go home for the summer and live with my parents and not work. Like that wasn't an option. So I had to make sure that I created a stable environment for myself and for my legacy and 
that the reality was I had to be self-sufficient. There was no way around it. And I didn't like corporate life. My parents were entrepreneurs. Um, my dad was a pastor, um, but retired from the military. My mom was an educator. Like um, She was an educator for like 37 years, eventually became assistant principal. So my life was always education, ministry, structure, discipline, education, work hard. So that's all I knew. So I wanted to do that. And that's still some of the same principles I apply to my life today. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I know that, like you were saying, you didn't take breaks. And I I did the same thing as I was going through school and grad school. And it can be overwhelming and, you know, exhausting. Um, And so when you were doing that and when you were going through all of that, what kind of like, how did you take care of yourself through all of that? I didn't, being completely transparent and honest. Um, I was working a lot, and some of that was a distraction, right? It wasn't me showing myself self-love and self-grace or compassion in any way, but I didn't know how to do that yet. You know what I'm saying? Like still growing and still developing. So I didn't really show myself love and grace. I wanted to, but I also didn't want to face the reality of the grief and the anxiety that came with that. So I just kept working. So if I could do extra projects, I did. If there was an event, I went. If it was a girl's trip, I went. I did all the things. So some of it was a form of self-love, but what I really needed to do was slow down and go to therapy and heal through those emotions, process through it, because I didn't have time. And like after my dad died, I didn't have time to process because my mom had breast cancer. So it was just constant, you know, just back to back trauma and grief and just a lot of emotions. And I'm graduating high school. So I didn't really show myself self-love until, oh goodness, I'm 31 now. So probably just within the last five years. So that self-love journey has been very new for me. And it's really presented itself just in the form of slowing down and giving myself grace to just be and to exist. I don't, I'm naturally competitive also because I was an athlete. So I'm always trying to push myself to do more, to be more, and just understanding that I don't have to do that. I don't have to live like that. And now I get to teach women how to do that by just choosing a level of success and just deciding that, okay, this is where we're stopping. We're going to park it here for a little bit and just rest and enjoy the moment. Yeah. I think our culture is very success driven and like you should do this and do this and do this. And um, I think we just need to rest every once in a while. Like people have to learn that it's okay to rest. And that's something that I've been learning too, is just like allowing myself to rest and um, letting myself know that it's okay. Like I don't always have to be doing something, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so weird. Like that shouldn't be foreign for us, but it feels weird to just lay on the couch or to just sit outside and just look at the trees and the clouds. Like it's okay. Like this is what we did before technology. A lot of us don't really remember that, but we're so wired to just be busy and plugged in all the time. So some, even in my work that I do, some of my clients, they feel anxiety when they rest because they're so used to being plugged in. So we have to kind of do some reverse engineering in terms of like therapeutic interventions of how to get you to a place where you can just chill and it's okay. Netflix yeah. is cool. You can do yeah. it. And without the guilt of, oh, I'm a bum or I'm lazy. I should be doing the most. You do a lot every day. You deserve downtime too. Yeah. And the work will still be there when yes. you come back to it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So what are some of the tools that you um, you said over the past few years, you've really slowed down and developed some 
tools to help you, um, you know, process and grow. And so what are some of those things that you have used? Some of the things I've used has been therapy for myself. Um, I do a lot of, you know, pouring into other people's lives, but sometimes it's good to just have a safe space to vent. My husband's great, but I don't want to just completely unload everything on him. Because um, obviously with that, there's an expectation for him to become my therapist. And I'm like, he's not. That's not that's not what he does. Um, so incorporating therapy, working with my coach, my business coaches, um, mentors for me has been a really good tool and resource. But the biggest game changer has been sleeping eight to 10 hours per night and yeah. st- staying hydrated. I eat really healthy foods. I work out often. Um, but that sleep has been a game changer. Like my emotions are so much more settled. I'm not as hungry. I'm not, you know, craving weird things at three o'clock in the morning just because of, you know, all the weird hormonal things that happen in the body. But sleep has really been huge for me just to create that balance and the stamina that I need to do what I do. Like any given day, I could be speaking at multiple events and doing workshops, doing trainings. So I had to structure my life in a way that was conducive for what I want. So if I have events on a weekend where I'm speaking, then the following weekend, I won't take any events because I don't need them. It's not a financial thing. I don't have to go just because someone requested me. Um, I'm in a position now to where we can move things around. So even podcast interviews, okay, this is when I can do podcast interviews. This is when I'm available. Does this work for your platform? And if it doesn't, it may not be the opportunity for me. So just learning how to set boundaries, how to advocate for myself, how to be protective of my time, of my family. Um, I can't be all things to all people every day. I'll burn out and I've done that. And you know, like when you're first starting out, you kind of just take whatever opportunities come because you're so excited. Like, oh, they want me to come be on their podcast. This is awesome. And it is, but if it doesn't work for you, then it doesn't work for you and it's okay. There'll be another podcast opportunity. So those are just some tools I've really incorporated into my life. Yeah. It sounds like you really prioritized yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is hard for a lot of people we're told, you know, that we need to be taking care of others and we do, but we have to take care of ourselves in order to take care of others. So it sounds like that is something that has really happened in your life as you've like been sleeping more and eating healthy and doing all of these things. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's been good. And when I look back at my life and I look back at the pictures of me a few years ago, I look like a completely different person. And a lot of people, and some of that's genetics with just just the genes from my mom and skincare and things like that. But I don't feel 31 at all. I don't look 31. And it's great. I was visiting a high school campus last week and they got on to me for not being in class because it was time for testing. And I was there to visit. I was working with the school counselors and their college advisor for another program for nonprofit life. But I was honored, you know, that they saw that. I was like, this is good. I'm I'm doing good for my age. I'm excited. Yeah. But yeah, it's been good. I work at a high school also, and I have gotten stopped a couple of times for parking in the visitor parking. They're like, are you a student? And I'm like, no. no. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, well, earlier you mentioned um, a little bit of anxiety in the past. Um, so how has anxiety, like how did anxiety get in the way of your journey? So anxiety really made things difficult just in terms of the way I've always seen myself 
Um, even though like, yes, I'm a therapist, I still have anxiety because I'm human. And so sometimes it's hard for me to show myself that love and grace because I expect so much out of me. Like I know my potential. I know what I'm capable of. I'm a big dreamer, naturally just innovative with creativity and strategies of how I can be better and how I can make my team better. But sometimes I can push myself to a fault and I feel like oh, I'm not doing enough. And then anxiety shows up to reinforce that belief of I'm not doing enough because I'm stressed out now or I'm overwhelmed or there's too many opportunities on the table. I want to take all of them, but I have to be very, very prayerful and intentional about where do I spend my time or whose platform do I get to be on for this week because I can't be everywhere. And so anxiety kind of shows up like, Kamisha, are you making the right choices? Are you doing the right things? Should you be on Ashley's podcast or should you tell Ashley to wait? Because there was another one I'm like, but I like Ashley though. We're getting on Ashley's podcast. Everyone else will will make it yes. work. So just that constant decision making, it does make me anxious at times because now that I'm on a different level of success, I have a team. Like I have, you know, admin people that help me. I have an office manager. Um, even in the nonprofit space, I'm a CEO, and so I've got board members. We've got people on the programming side, staff. So the decisions I make, they don't just affect me anymore. They affect a lot of people, especially people who are on payroll. So I want to be very intentional and make sure that I'm doing my best to make the right decisions. Anxiety creeps up every single day, and so I've just had to learn how to check it and say, okay, anxiety, if you're going to be here, this is where you're going to sit. We've got stuff to do. God has given us an assignment and a mission in life. So anxiety, if you're coming, you're going to have to sit in the corner until we need you. We're not, some days I can't just say, okay, today I'm not going to have anxiety. She, I think of her as like a friend that just won't go home at the end of the day. So sometimes she's just still with me, um, but I still have to go forward and do what it is that I love to do in spite of having the anxiety. Yeah. Sometimes it's just um, working through it and pushing through it and um, it sounds like boundaries have been yes. a big part of that. Um, what are some places that you've had to set boundaries? So I've had to set boundaries with people. Um, even with me being a therapist, I keep my case all very small and very manageable. And so when I screen people out, I have to make sure that they're ready to work with me and they're super motivated for treatment and that I won't be in a position to where I'm working harder than them in their therapy sessions that they signed up for. Um, so I have to be protective of that with my schedule, with my timing, not taking on too many coaching clients for the business coaching for new therapists because they're anxious. They need my attention. They're, they're pretty much babies. Even those of them that have been in the field for a while, private practice is a brand new shindig. Um, cause you're used to working at agencies, you know, they make sure you have clients, they make sure you have forms and paperwork. When you get into private practice, you don't have that. So even with the business coaching clients, I don't take 20 at a time. It's too many. I do private coaching. So I do one-on-one sessions and I want to be able to show up for them and to show up well. So if I keep everything manageable and not have my eyes on, oh, how much money can I make working with these people? I can make a whole lot more money, but at what cost? I'm going to be tired. It's going to cut into my eight to 10 hours of sleep a night. And I don't want to do that. So setting boundaries around the things that I love and that I enjoy doing, but also that bring me joy and fulfillment. That's been probably one of the biggest places where I've had to set boundaries. And I don't, 
I don't overwork myself. I work hard on the things where I really want to work hard at, but other things, they don't have to be done right now. And I try to be really intentional with scheduling things out for the entire year and mapping out like quarterly goals. What are we doing in the first quarter? How many podcasts can we do? How many keynote speaking engagements can we do? Where are we going? How many in-person events can we do? Having entire meetings with my family, with my team. So everyone can tell me, Kamisha, that's probably too much. Let's cut back. I'm like, okay. I trust y'all. Y'all know me. Y'all know what I need and what I value. So yeah, let's set boundaries around it to protect that space and to not do too much. Yeah. I like what you said about doing things that bring you joy and not because you feel like you have to or because of financial means, but doing it because you love it and you truly like want to be doing this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can always make money. You know, I'm an entrepreneur. There's always a way. Like I can create a course um, about anything, anything mental health related, anxiety. I can make 15 courses, but for what though? Like I don't need them. I've got, you know, my signature courses, my signature programs, and they're there, they're available. Some of them are evergreen, but there's no need to continue to just, for me, you know, continue to just increase revenue in my business because some of the things... Like I call it like managed growth. Like for this season, I don't need a lot of money. You know what I'm saying? I make really good money. Um, my social media doesn't reflect that in my business and that's a good thing. So, and I tell people like, don't get caught up in how many followers people have on social media. You can make really good money in your business and it not be a correlation of followers. Cause people, a lot of followers are not making money in their businesses, but I, I really strive to do things that are meaningful because the money doesn't really matter. It's important because I'm a giver and I want to be able to, you know, make donations and contributions to other causes that matter. But God always provides for my needs. So and I have a husband, so I'm not in life by myself anymore. Where I have to pay for everything. So now that I have help, I have to create margin and space for help to show up and just do its thing, which helps me out, too. Yeah, for sure. Are there any other tools that you have found helpful along your journey? Um, I'm a big reader. I love listening to podcasts. Um, obviously, my own book, Thought Life Confessions. I wrote it, but I also read it because I wanted to read it. Like if I didn't, if I didn't write this, would I still read it? And I would. It was really good, and it stretched me in the process of just writing and wanting to pour into women who are dealing with anxiety and still on the journey of becoming successful. Um, Amy Porterfield's podcast is one of my favorites. Um, Anthony O'Neill's podcast and his YouTube show, The Table. Absolutely love it. Um, and favorite podcast also is Therapy for Black Girls. Um, okay. Really big advocate for them. I, yeah. One of my directories is on their site. So they do great work. And I love listening to the stories of other you know, Black women, their mental health journey, and even the other clinicians talking about their journey in the field and their experiences too. So it's been really good for me. Yeah. It's good to relate to other other people in the field. Mm -hmm. Um, will you tell us a little bit more about your book? Yeah, absolutely. So it's called Thought Life Confessions, and the subtitle is Inner Conversations of Anxious, Successful Women. And so I wrote it as a resource and a guide for women with anxiety, helping to normalize some of the things that they're dealing with, just in terms of the perfectionism, showing themselves grace, managing their hectic schedules how to set boundaries, how to advocate for themselves with their families and with their friendships, how to cultivate 
friendships as an adult, because a lot of times, you know, when we're when we're little girls, you play with the girl across the street because she's across the street or y'all are at the same school. Y'all go to the same church. But when you're grown, like we don't have those type of relationships because we're all working. You don't see each other in a day. So if you're going to have grown women friendships, you're going to have to be more intentional and really set aside time to cultivate and reach out and say, hey, what are you doing? You want to go to brunch this weekend? Like somebody has to set that up and we have to schedule it and it may be three weeks out before we can get it done. But wanting to just normalize some of that, those feelings of isolation that we experience with anxiety and having careers and not having that girlfriend community that we used to have when we were in college or in high school or whatever. So I just wanted to really speak to that and also provide practical tools. There's coping skills in the book. There's journal prompts, there's scriptures, there's prayers, guided prayers that you can do on your own and some prayers that I've written to the reader. I love that. Sounds amazing. I will for sure link that in the description so any of our listeners can grab it. Any other books that you have enjoyed or that have helped you? Yeah, there's a book called Believe Bigger by Marshawn Evans Daniels. Um, She's a Christian author. She's an entrepreneur. Um, She's really, really good. And there's a devotional journal. So like I couldn't put the book down. And as soon as I finished it, I went back on Amazon because by the time I got it, the journal was out. It was like, I think it's like a 30 day guided prayer journal. I was like, oh yeah, I have to have this. Like I absolutely have to have it. Um, I followed her on Instagram and I just love the way she talks about integrating the Holy Spirit into business and to be really spirit led in the way that you're working with people and the way that you serve people. So yeah, she's also like one of my favorites. That sounds awesome. Um, Letting faith be a part of, you know, your work. That's really cool. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, anything else that you would add to what we've talked about? Oh, I just want to say to anyone who's listening, if you're struggling with your self-love journey, give yourself time. Sometimes it's harder to really embrace it. And self-care is a part of self-love, but sometimes we need things that are deeper than self-care. Massages and facials and pedicures, they only go so far. And so sometimes we have to do deeper work of learning how to accept ourselves every day regardless of the season that you're in. So if you're a first-time mom and you feel like you're not momming it and you're not getting it done, give yourself grace and time. It's a learning curve. Nobody really, I know they talk about like that mom instinct, but a lot of people, it takes them longer to develop that because things are different. The circumstances are different. Um, If you're just working on eating healthier or working on your diet and your body image and learning how to accept it and embrace it. Give yourself time. Social media will rush you through all of this meaningful work and there is no timeline for how long it takes people. I would have loved to be at a place of self-acceptance five years ago, but the reality is I just wasn't there. And I was really resentful toward myself for not being there because of the unrealistic expectations. Um, You do the best you can with what you have, with the knowledge you have, with the tools you have, and with the resources you have. But if that internal dialogue is negative about yourself, then we need to manage that and deal with those things first so that you can fully step into a place of self-love. Yeah, I love that. I think, like you said, with social media and today's culture, we kind of expect, expect things to happen overnight and they just don't. Like, that's not how things work, unfortunately. They don't. So, like, learning to give yourself grace um, along the journey, knowing that there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs, but 
as long as you keep moving forward, you know, that's what matters. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, You shared so much wisdom and I'm so thankful you are here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. Thanks for listening to the Self-Love Revolution podcast. Make sure you subscribe and visit selfloverevolutionpodcast.com for more resources. Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for joining me, Ashley, in this episode of the Self-Love Revolution podcast. I'll see you next time.